Hey guys, welcome to the Neglected Podcast. This podcast is not to change your mind, but to invite you into somebody else's narrative. This is a podcast to give a voice to the neglected. It is also an opportunity for all of us to engage. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Neglected Podcast. My name is Nick Schultz. You can hit me up at Schultzy Time. We are at Four the Neglected. We're here at City Church. Thanks for hosting. And special producer Isaac, man, thanks for being here. Stud lifeguard extraordinary here in Savannah. And we have a special guest today. Her name is Jada Haynes. What's going on, Jada? How are you hey, doing? Hey, I'm doing well, man. I'm happy to be here. Okay, so let's let's just start there, like why you're here, because we've never met before. Absolutely. You actually live in Atlanta, but yep. you're from Savannah. Yep. And so you are the you get the award for being the guest who has come from the farthest <laughs> distance in order to be on the podcast before. Yep. Yep. So just want to say thank you for that. And and you, I guess you reached out to us too mm-hmm. because you had a story to tell. And what is it about like our podcast or our platform that kind of, I guess, spoke to you or why you were willing to be on the show for us? Yeah. So I know, like I told you, I've been watching you all for some time once I was exposed to your podcast. And what I really loved about you all was the fact that you all wanted people to share their stories and they didn't have to have any fame or be of celebrity status mm-hmm. and the impact that people that's right next to us can have on us, you know, and just normal people walking and the impact that their stories can have. And that's what I'm all about. I just love, you know, being able to hear other people's stories that come from the same place as me that don't have the fame and the, mm-hmm. the blogs and all of that, that may not get as much credit for what, they've done and overcame so that was something i acknowledged and love about you all is truly inspiring so well thanks that was like i'm inspired by your inspiration there <laughs> yeah. that's like worth it the whole thing is worth it now <laughs> yeah. that we have like one fan that's inspired and i know we got a couple more than that but mm-hmm. it was really cool for us to hear like somebody that you know you lived here but you weren't yeah. living here and you're like oh wow i don't even know she is and like she's listening and touched mm-hmm. by it and but you had a story to tell too and yep. we're going to get into that and you sent me a youtube video yep. that you made kind of telling part of your story yep. in order to see what was going on so we'll, we'll cover some of that but um, when we first get started we always ask our guests um, tell us a little bit about your background uh, your your family your neighborhood where you grew up and mm-hmm. what what your life was like when you were little jada Absolutely. So uh, my name is Jada Haynes. Um, I was born and raised in Savannah, Georgia. I moved to Atlanta about three years, so I'm fresh out of Savannah. Uh-huh. Um, but I was raised in the west side of Savannah, West Savannah, um, off Bay Street um, in a community called Hudson Hill. Mm-hmm. Um, family was raised there, still live there. We have a family home on there. So deep roots over there on the west side. Um, and yeah, so from that point, I had a really good childhood growing up, to be honest with you. Um, better than most probably have two parent household, mm-hmm. um, you know, parents who love very family oriented. I was the, at the time, the baby of six. So nice. I have one older brother, um, who was like my dad almost, but, um, I got one o- older brother and then five other sisters, but now I have an additional three sisters. So I have, um, two on my dad's side outside of my mom mm-hmm. and then um with three oh, excuse me and then so yeah i have a, a as you can see i have a huge family mm-hmm. um very family oriented grew up in the church my dad was a pastor my mom was a first lady so grew up with some very strong a strong foundation um of moral values and integrity um so like i said navigating through my younger childhood um like i said we we're so family oriented we grew up on love um, if we didn't have anything, we had love. Um, 
And just uh, being the youngest of six, I was the only one that was actually interested and took basketball serious. Mm -hmm. Um, So growing up, I was traveling, AAU, um, rec ball. I was six, seven years old playing 17 and under for Hudson Hill Rec. So, you know, I I took it very serious and I had a family that was very supportive of me and, you know, helped me navigate through different things. Wow. But, yep, so. That's I, crazy. Yeah. Well, let's, we'll get into that in a second because I'm definitely intrigued by that. But um, as far as your, your family dynamic and where you were living uh, in, in the part of Savannah you're in, what was uh, especially like diversity like in the school you were going to mm-hmm. and, and even in the church? Yeah. Um, so uh, in elementary school, I went to Pooler Elementary. So it was not the same environment that I was used to mm-hmm. um, in a, a rural area versus more of a suburbs type of area, right. which I think really helped us because that school really embraced us, even though we were dealing with people who didn't even look like us and share the same experiences as us. But they embraced us like no other Um if I could, I just want to give a special shout out to Dr. Ken Trail, who was a school counselor there, and Dr. Wu. Um, and we, I still stay in contact with them, who was our principal and school counselor. Mm-hmm. Even when we had some issues, when my dad had to go through major brain surgery, I remember they made one of our Christmases one to remember. Um, but to experience that kind of environment, honestly, we didn't even realize that people didn't look like us. Like it was just, we were embraced and we had the best elementary school growing up. Um, so yeah, it, it was it was amazing to be honest. That's really cool. How old was uh, were you when your dad had brain surgery? Oh, I can't even remember. I was young. You were really young. Yeah, I was probably first, second grade. Um, and it, it was, I, at the time I didn't realize how serious it was. Like mm-hmm. now if I see somebody, they say they had a brain tumor, I'm like, oh man, the first thing you think is fatal to be yeah. honest. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the time, like we were, my mom was so encouraged. They kept us so encouraged and into things. We didn't really have time to think about it. Um, but so my dad is doing well, healthy, just so thankful for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really cool. That's, that's encouraging hearing about your school experience too, because it's not like that for for so many people and mm-hmm. for you to have that kind of positive experience, that's that's really good. You can tell like how much it influenced yep. you even sitting here right now and having having both your parents and having um, good parents mm-hmm. and a family, like it's it just kind of lights you up within yep. you, like how much that means to you. Um, and, you know, one of the, the things I hear from a lot of people in Savannah is that's not always their experience. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes they see like deep racial issues mm-hmm. depending on where they live. Yep. the neighborhood they're in, the school district they're in, or the specific school they're going to. And it doesn't always end up that way. Did you ever experience or see that either when you were playing basketball or when you got older in school or were you pretty much sheltered or didn't have to be exposed to those kind of things? Um, growing up, I, I, I can say I probably wasn't exposed to it. And, you know, I'm I, like not to say it wasn't out there, but mm-hmm. the people who I interacted with, you know, whether they were white, black, you know, Latino, I'm everyone treated me the same, Mm. you know, and I treated everybody the same, you know, and I, we never was brought up to look at anybody any different, you know, and that could be from the church background and the foundation to love everybody, you know, like your own brother and sister. And that's, 
kind of the thing that I try to live out throughout now. You know, it's a different kind of social climate now. Um, but that I was just talking to one of my friends, like, you know, as kids, we were able to be kids, mm. which many can't say in this generation now. Mm. And, and I think that is the big difference now where people now start to say, oh, I'm ad 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 identifying that child as a black kid or a white kid. And it wasn't like that. Mm -hmm. It was just, hey, come on as you are and we're going to make the best of it. And mm -hmm. so I, I can't say I'm thankful for that you know, to be able to appreciate my childhood and not have to deal with issues like kids are dealing with now, having to work at young ages and just, it's yeah. definitely a different kind of environment now. Yeah. And, and you said you just, we'll, we'll come back to the basketball and some of your youth stuff in a second, but moving to Atlanta and becoming, you know, a young adult living, mm -hmm. living on your own and obviously moving away from family. Yep. Are there certain issues that you didn't have to deal with when you were younger, like you're talking about now that you see things differently as an adult, or has it just been a smooth transition to where you're at now? Um, I probably, I would say, I won't say it been, it's been a smooth transition because after my mom and dad had a divorce, you know, I did experience some things that I didn't experience when they were together. Mm -hmm. Um, and that, that kind of shaped my mindset to know that even though it could be all good, sometimes it can be bad too. Mm -hmm. And in life we have to be able to balance the two. And so going through all of that after the divorce, I realized that it's all about the mindset. You know, everything is not going to be good for you going through it. And in my transition to Atlanta, because I played basketball and traveled so much, I wasn't new to going to different environments. Mm -hmm. Honestly, once I graduated college, I knew I was going to leave Savannah. I just didn't know where at the time. But um, that was always in my mind because um, being a first generation college grad, um, I always wanted to like set that example for my family um, and say, hey, you can go out and do this. Even though I was the youngest at the time, like you can go out and see the world and enjoy it and all of that. You know, it's so much more to life. And so I would say for the most part, it was a smooth transition. Again, I was fortunate enough to get a job right out of college mm -hmm. to make it a lot smoother. Right. So I didn't hit that period where I was unemployed after college to really try and get on my feet. So, you know, that did help things a lot more. And what age did your parents get divorced? Um, it was in 2007. I was in seventh grade. Um, so I was probably between the age of what, 11, 12-ish. I'm not good at age math. So <laughs> yeah, whatever you say that, is fine. I, I, I'm like, I can't, keep, I can't keep up with ages nowadays. But yeah, definitely seventh grade in 2007. But as close as you are as a family and how much you... You, you love your your parents like what was that what did that do for you at that time or even the fallout after that were you devastated by that or how did you handle all that um I think at the time even in seventh grade I really didn't understand the idea of a divorce like the idea that my parents weren't going to be together long term mm -hmm. um again in that period I was heavy in basketball so you know if I felt like I was getting too stressed out with whatever was going on in Just the house I would go play you yeah. know in Hudson Hill go to the court everybody knew me it was one of those environments hey if my mama didn't you know get on me somebody else would and that's kind of how they knew because they knew I had a, a bright future in basketball so um and I was centered around some people who knew what, what my family was going through in those tough times and they were able to kind of get my mind off of it while I focused on school mm -hmm. but you know during those times I didn't understand the impact that it would have at the time I just knew there were times when my mom would struggle didn't really understand what she was going to through mentally we actually talk about it more now and what she actually went through and the thoughts that she had even with my dad we talk about it now we talk through it now 
Um, like, cause we didn't understand what was going on. The idea of them not being together and it could just be simply because they, you know, they didn't see eye to eye or, you know, it's like, how did, how can y'all not see eye to eye? Y'all are parents, mm-hmm. but you know, in life that happens, you know? Um, and it was just a matter of, you know, knowing that, Hey, it may be best if they are not together and, you know, co-parent and support us in different ways, you know, just seeing it from a different view, you know, and that was, you know, having to go visit my dad through visitation. He would come see us, do different things with us um, and kind of adjust to that. Again, we didn't really, I didn't process it much then, mm-hmm. but now that I think about it, I just understand like me going through my young adult life, like, man, things happen in life that sometimes are out of our control, could be in your control, but you still have to make the best of it and, you know, make better decisions to keep your best foot forward mm-hmm. well speaking of best you were really good at basketball <laughs> so i want to make sure we cover that because it was such a pivotal thing for you and your your video your documentary that you did about your mm-hmm. life was very much centered about basketball mm-hmm. and like what that did for you um as a, as a young person and then growing yeah. up like you were about that that life and yeah. that sport yeah. and so what was it about that that sport and mm-hmm. when you realize like this is the thing i want to dedicate my life to and kind of what that did for you during those teenage years? Um, to be, and it was weirdest, to be honest, none of my family members have ever played basketball before. Like my mom, she told me she did make the varsity team in high school, but she was like too pretty to like mess up her hair. <laughs> so like she never really took it serious enough. Mm-hmm. So I think it was probably cause my brother, he was into football and he would always play basketball for fun. So I will always like look at him and always want to do everything he did. Like I would consider myself like a tomboy, like anything I seen him do, I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And so like when he would go to the court, like I would go to the court. And I think from those moments, I really understood like how fast I can learn. And then I just started everything I seen any guy do, I did. And like, it was to the point, like my brother would literally argue with boys, you know, for me to play, mm-hmm. even though I probably wasn't that good, but you know, it hit, you know, I, that, that meant a lot for me, the fact that obviously I was good enough for him to take up for me. Yeah. So in those moments, I feel like that's when I really kind of built the confidence to really move forward. And, you know, I would watch different, I loved women's basketball, love men's basketball. Um, I would say I'm an advocate for women's more so, but you know, anything I seen them on TV do, I would just go pick up a ball and practice it. Like I would get, walk down the street, putting the ball between my legs, just doing different things, better in my, my skill level and mindset and just basketball like you and just continue to work at it. And it just became something that I love and was passionate about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was taking you places. Obviously you yep. said you were traveling. So like how high up did you get as far as travel ball or mm-hmm. in high school, I guess, too? Or where where were you headed in mm-hmm. your mind? How good were you going to be? So when I was young, I just knew I was going to be the first woman to be in the NBA. <laughs> <laughs> I love of it. Of course, now, like it don't really make sense now, but um, that was the first growing up that's what i always had had in my mind or be the first woman female globetrotter Mm -hmm. like so that's kind of things that kept me motivated but i took basketball all the way to my first year of college Mm -hmm. um so um thankfully a full ride basketball scholarship so i was so thankful for that and now i realize that that opportunity don't even come often Mm -hmm. whether it's division one division two division three nai juco you know so i'm very appreciative appreciative of that moment but yeah basketball took me places i never thought i would be able to go 
Um, and I think because I was able to travel and play summer basketball, if I wasn't doing summer, I mean, recreation basketball, I was doing summer traveling Atlanta, Orlando, Cocoa Beach for nationals, experiencing different people with different skill levels. Mm -hmm. And just and in those moments, made me realize that, man, Savannah is small. It's so much more world to see, yeah. you know, than to be competing with the person at the next high school. Like we're not competing with them. We're competing with people mm -hmm. that's in the in the state, number one in the state number one in the nation so you know in those moments it just ha kind of humbled me um just going to different places and you know getting used to being uncomfortable um even when there are people out there bigger better stronger yeah. than you so you know that's interesting that because it sounds like basketball exposed you to mm -hmm. so many things did your did your family travel much outside of savannah or georgia or was this like your big kind of seen things for the first time outside of your your norm so like for for the most part with my family we did do every year we do family reunions every year we go to different places where it whether it was indiana or florida like mm -hmm. we did travel but that's usually the only time outside of basketball that yeah. we would travel um but they were supportive in basketball my mom and dad would get on the road aau tournaments and they would come wherever I was. And that was a huge part of me. And then there were times where they didn't come as much. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, like I was around such great fit teammates that, you know, if my parents weren't able to come, oh, it was no thing. I was in a car with somebody else, yeah. you know, and that's how much, you know, they wanted me to be a part of the team and I wanted to be there. So, mm -hmm. yeah. So, and from what I heard, you said, got a full ride to mm -hmm. co what college was it? Middle Georgia State. Okay, so you mm -hmm. got a full ride to Middle Georgia State, mm -hmm. but you specifically said, I played up until I played one year, yep, my one freshman year. year. Yep. So obviously what happened after that freshman year of basketball? Yep. So after that first year, things didn't go as well as we wanted as a team. And um, wherever the team, you know, as far as our team goes, we didn't end up where we wanted to be. And in those moments, um, you know, the coaches had to make some very crucial decisions. And that was either to let some players go or keep moving forward with the players you got. And in the reality of it, I didn't make the cut. So I'm um, not saying that I was didn't do well playing there, mm -hmm. but you know that's a decision that the coaches have to make. That's for the betterment of their team. So um, once I got cut, it was in that moment I realized, like, okay, this, my whole life is all I work for. Mm -hmm. Never had a plan B because in my mind I'm gonna be this woman playing in the NBA. Right. You know how could this happen? And in that moment I realized, like, basketball may have just been temporary for me. But it's like, okay, I done worked my whole life for it to come to a stop like this. But I didn't, at the time, I had a lot of pride. Mm -hmm. So I didn't want to, like, go back home and the idea of, oh, this, for, you know, we have, a, we have a, a, like, a reputation in Savannah for athletes to go off to school for a short period of time and end up coming back home. Mm -hmm. So my pride was getting away, like, no, J.D., you can't be like nobody else. So I remember, like, I went home and I, was, I sat down with my mom. I'm like, mama. I don't want to be in Savannah going to school. I'm just going to go to the next nearest school here. And it was a um, historically back college. And the only reason I chose that school, because I knew this guy that played for Johnson High School. And I knew he went there, which was South Carolina State. And I knew he was doing well in basketball. So I'm like, let's just apply for that school. I think that's the only school I applied for. And then I ended up getting into that school. Um, and then, you know, furthering my, my academic career. Mm -hmm. But yeah, in that moment, I just realized like basketball could have been very temporary. Um, and I have to be okay with that. Mm -hmm. so, it seems, it seems hard to just hear you say that because mm -hmm. something you love so much and would de define your life and really you had a passion for it. Mm -hmm. Like I think when some people hear that, they're just like, 
hey, you still had talent. You yeah. could go to a college and transfer, play some, do something and continue to play basketball yeah. as opposed to just completely stop playing, mm -hmm. at least for a school or something. Like yeah. why, why completely sever that at that age? Yeah. So honestly, I still had hoop dreams. So when I made that transfer to South Carolina State, in my mind, I'm like, okay, if everything went left, in my mind went left after getting cut, I said, okay, I'm just going to give myself one year to get back and focus on my academics, focus on myself, try and, you know, just take a break from basketball. Because, mm -hmm. listen, I've been playing nonstop since sixth grade, yeah. you know, traveling, middle school, recreation. So that time, that one year, I was able to really just kind of take a step back and say, okay, let's just kind of see if there's anything else out there besides basketball. And then keep in mind, as a women's basketball player, we're not making nearly as much money as a, a man, mm -hmm. a male. So, you know, that, that kind of started factoring. I'm like, okay, how can I still be successful without basketball? So in that one year, I was able to analyze all of that. Um, and I did try out for the South Carolina State team. I did not make it. So I ended up doing like intramural. Mm -hmm. And um, I did gain a lot of respect from people through intramural. But I actually also was exposed to people that did not play basketball and was not a part of that sports field. And, you know, that gave me a different look like, man, y'all having a lot of fun, you know, not to be sports you know and athletes like I never had a chance to experience life outside of sports mm -hmm. you know all mm -hmm. I knew was my teammates you know going to school together going to class going to lunch practice that's all I knew so when I was able to get exposed to friends who didn't have no interest in sports it kind of gave me a different per a perception of life that I think was necessary for me to see like I built relationships with people in college in that school that have no impact you know that have no relation with sports mm -hmm. and you know i learned so much from them the idea that man they out here chasing a different kind of success that i thought was the only success which was basketball mm -hmm. so you know just building relationships and being exposed to life outside of sports and seeing how much opportunities was out there to network with people who were just as successful even if they weren't playing basketball mm -hmm. so where did that take you 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 moved away from basketball met mm -hmm. new people mm -hmm. Got out of the, your basketball bubble a little bit, mm -hmm. and it's like you found something. Did you find your passion for something else, or did you just find that you were interested in basically life outside of basketball? But there's all these things I can do. I don't know exactly what that is, or mm -hmm. you did know what it was. I didn't really know what it looked like. I just know it was feeling good in those moments to know that I was meeting people and interacting people that that loves me and wanted to be around me that wasn't attached to the reputation of me being good in basketball. Mm -hmm. I got you. And that, and that was good for me. You know, it felt good. Like, Oh, like I don't have to pick up a basketball to show, you know, in Savannah, you, when you growing up and all they know you is for is basketball. Yeah. Anytime you see an old head, what we call them, you know, they like, you know, you, man, you, sh you know, try and bring up what you used to do. And mm -hmm. it's like, ah, know if I really want to keep doing that and it's like the expectation that people put on you when you have this history of being a basketball player or a football player or a star athlete in your younger years they kind of keep that expectation on you every time they see you and it's like I don't want to be attached to that no more because I like where I'm at in life mm -hmm. but to be honest I didn't really know what it was that I wanted after I put the ball down but I just knew I started to meet more people and get their perspectives on life and just network and do different community events, join organizations and sharpen my professional skills and, you know, just become better in that community I was in on campus. You know, I met people now, you know, I have really good friends now working for one of the biggest investment banks in the world. You know, 
friends who teachers and, uh, you know, counselors and, you know, just off the strength of just building those relationships right there on school. We, these people we're waking up to and we're like literally young adults on this campus, like trying to make ends meet, you mm -hmm. know, and, and honestly, that's the best experience I had. And, you know, I knew I wouldn't have got those opportunities if I was playing basketball. Yeah. You know, so it was like, man, let me just see how far this is going to take me, because obviously it's done me well if I'm feeling this good and I'm meeting all of these people. And it's like, oh, hey, Jada, like that's the one that that's the girl that's in the business department and, you know, can speak well and, you know, just do different things. Well, that's not attached to basketball. So that mm -hmm. made me feel really good. Yeah. And what did you end up graduating college with did you have a certain degree or certain path that you wanted to go towards or <laughs> yeah so i ended up getting my undergrad in business marketing i changed my major two times mm -hmm. um when i was playing basketball that first year at middle georgia state i was in nursing major um and i only did that i didn't even take school serious then it was just like let me just choose a major it's because i'm gonna play basketball anyway and my grandma just always tell me like nursing you'll always have a job and they pay good money i'm like well nursing it is mm -hmm. and then i started taking some science classes and i'm like you know what i don't think that one is for me and then when i transferred to south carolina state they didn't have a nursing program so i changed it to criminal justice love law and order svu you know <laughs> i just knew i wanted to do something in that background took the first um, computer science class with coding. And I said, that's not for me. <laughs> so, you know, I literally sat down, researched my personality, my characteristics, my traits, what major would go along with that. Mm -hmm. And that's how I ended up with business marketing and it was the best decision I ever made. So, you know, just emphasizing and focusing on my professionalism, you know, just being open-minded and working in corporate America, that really prepared me um, for that. Yeah. So how, how were you able to just transition so fluidly out of college and go right into moving to Atlanta and having mm -hmm. a job? That's, that's pretty impressive. Yep. And um, what's crazy is I was wanting to work in the sports field, of course. So mm -hmm. even when I stopped playing basketball, like everybody, even now, everybody think I work for some professional WNBA team. Yeah or some NBA team, and I have no job or no background with any of them. Of course, I did, you know, uh, interview with a few of them because that's all I want to do. I'm like, well, if I can't play, I want to be around it. I'm passionate about mm -hmm. basketball. Like, I know this is what I'm supposed to do. And then senior year coming around, not one of them called me back. Hey, you're a great candidate, but unfortunately, like – after seeing 15 emails saying, but unfortunately, yeah. it's like, okay, I need to try something else. And I'm at that time, I'm getting nervous because I don't want to go back to Savannah. Here it is, March time. I'm graduating in May. And um, the business department offered an opportunity to go to Atlanta for this mortgage conference. And so... I have no clue what the mortgage is. To be honest, I only <laughs> signed up because they said it was an overnight trip and it's in Atlanta. Mind you, I have a lot of ties to in Atlanta with my godparents staying there. And so I'm like, well, that's my opportunity to go and just spend some time with mm -hmm. them. So I didn't even think anything about the conference. But in that conference, um, they asked any graduating uh, students that's interested, you know, we looking for new hires that don't have to have any mortgage experience. They were like, can you please stand up? So when we stood up, all of these people started swarming us basically, <laughs> you know, like, Hey, if you're interested, here's our business cards. And it's one particular company. They gave me their business card. And I'm like, well, let me just see how it is. They got an office in Atlanta. A lot of other ones didn't really have offices in Atlanta. I'm like, well, that's where I want to be at. Let me just go for it. You said I didn't have any experience, didn't need any experience. So 
what the heck, I'm going to send my resume and I'm going to go for it. And I'm still with that company three years later, just off the strength of that one opportunity. And it was, I, I allowed myself to be open-minded after the rejections, basically what I thought it was rejections mm-hmm. of the jobs that I really, really wanted. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it was heartbreaking not to get a job with the Hawks or whoever I interviewed with the Cavaliers. I interviewed with a lot of teams and, and organizations, but, you know, I'm just so thankful um, that I allowed myself to just trust the process and trust the journey um, because I maybe I, in my mind, you know, I try to stay optimistic. Like maybe I wasn't as prepared as I thought. Well, maybe I may need to, because I wanted it so bad. Maybe, you know, you know, it probably wasn't meant to be at that time. Maybe mm-hmm. I had to go to the right or, you know, go to this company to get prepared for opportunity. So that's kind of how I started to look at it. And honestly, I, I don't even see myself going to work for a sports team now. Really? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just really interesting to see, like, how your your journey is taking place and where you're at right now where you're like, so instead of a you know basketball girl, you're a business girl. Yep. And just like I'm sure lessons from that kind of transferred over a little bit, mm-hmm. especially as far as like work ethic and going after yep. what what you need to. But just to to see and really, that's a still a, a short amount of time for that to kind of happen. Yeah. I mean, it probably felt long, but yeah. But to go through that because you're still really young mm-hmm. and just finished college not so long ago, and even not so long ago, you had these dreams of playing basketball mm-hmm. and that being your life being about that, but now your life's about business. Yeah. So wh- where do you see, like, where are you right now? And as far as like the business or what, what you see it doing for, for your life, either in professional sense or in a personal sense mm-hmm. of, of where you want to go with your life? Um, in a, in a personal sense for me, I'm big on relationships and, and building relationships and working in corporate America of course, can be, you know, very brutal for some people. Mm -hmm. And in a sense, you know, not allowing themselves to go through the process. You know, they get into these companies and it's like immediately they want to get a promotion and they want to elevate and they want to become the CEO. Mm -hmm. You know, and for me, um, you know, after going through a few things like the divorce and understanding that basketball was not my long-term goal, you know, going through those transitions, I realized that I can only be in the moment. And to take advantage of everything that I'm doing in the moment. And when I got that opportunity to go work for the company I'm working for, it was a matter of don't go in here with any expectations. Of course, you have your expectations, like you want to go work hard. You have those um, unwritten ones. But it's like, don't go in here with any expectations on this company. You go in here, you know who you are, you know your worth. And eventually, they're going to see it. And then you'll be able to dictate what you want to do in life. And of course, dictate can sometimes come off negative, but in a sense, like, hey, at some point, you're going to be able to control the room. You know, right now, you don't really have a voice because nobody know you, Mm -hmm. but that's how I'm going into it from a personal level. Like, I don't want anybody to be intimidated by me. Like, I want to go in here and be my authentic self. And that's kind of how I went into the situation. And from a professional standpoint, man, I've built relationships and, you know, conversations with the CEO you know, just lasting impact. Because for me, it's like, okay, I know you may not know me, but by the time we finish talking or have a conversation, I want you to know exactly who I am. And that at some point, you're going to be a force to be reckoned with. Mm -hmm. And so it's all about like how I wanted people to feel once they finished experiencing their experience with me. You know, whether that's a conversation, an email, like I just take a lot of pride in the perception that people will have on me after we interact. 
you know, so that's kind of how I take it. Mm-hmm. Um, and just th- this experience has been great, you know, and it sounds like optimistic, to be honest, like that's just how I am and how I operate, you know, yeah. like. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, because, <laughs> you know, just listening to your story, there's things that you went through that mm-hmm. are difficult. Yeah, there really are. But the way that you view them and even explain them mm-hmm. or maybe even how you remember them, it's from a learning positive yep point of view because you're trying to move forward mm-hmm. as opposed to like yeah that might have been really hard and sometimes you can listen to somebody tell a story like that and it's like well nothing affects her yeah she didn't yeah. really go through any low points yeah their parents got divorced and yeah she she had to give up her dream of basketball but like hey she she didn't really have to go through much yeah but you did yeah yeah you did but you're using it as fuel to go to where you want to go and you're, you're a positive person yeah so that that's a really cool perspective. And and I imagine listening to you and, and hearing your passion for for life and family and basketball mm-hmm. and, and work, like whether you're doing it now or you want to, you you probably want an avenue to give back and inspire mm-hmm. other people on their journey too, whether it's other young girls and you know, is is it through sports or through basketball? Is it through like making yourself in, in a business and in a job or is it it both? Like how do you want to inspire people through what you've been through? Um, I think it's kind of both, um, you know, just touching the job perspective. You know, I know we kind of live in an era now where it's like, no, keep your personal and job life separate, mm-hmm. you know? And I'm like, well, that's going to be impossible because I can't be my true self if I can't bring what I went through with me mm-hmm. because that's where I got to, you know, that's how, that's what got me here, you know? And so just the idea of, you know, being an impact by being my authentic self, like that's a lot. I take a lot of pride in that. And, you know, like, um, you know, a lot of people look at like millennials, they call us millennials, even though I think we like Gen Z or something like that. But, you know, they look at us and they just like, you know, y'all, 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 y'all impatient. Y'all, you know, we kind of talk out of turn, but it's like, no, we know what we want. And we, we want to, you know, we want to be the idea of being accepted, but we want to be accepted for who we are, you know, with no impact on nobody trying to force their expectations on us. Like, I know you want me to succeed, but I, I have to succeed in the way I'm built to succeed. You know, if we came from two different experiences, of course, we're going to approach things two different ways. You know, so the idea of impacting people by bringing my unique thoughts, my perspective from what I've been through and, you know, molding that into the next person. Like, hey, you can be exactly who you are and, and, and that's OK. You know, but you got to know, like, of course, you got to read the room and, you know, certain things, you know, make sure it's necessary for how you react and respond. But you have to be okay with not being accepted by people. And, you know, and that's one thing I realized, like with my impact, you know, I do believe it came through basketball um, because the ability to inspire someone you may not even know just because they watch your game. It's like, oh, look how she put the ball between her legs. I want to be like her. It could be something as simple as that. And that goes to show you the power of impact. You know, you, you it's a lot of people I never even knew, but they know me because I played basketball. Mm-hmm. Oh, you the one that played for Groves. I'm like, yeah. So it's like in those moments, I realized that, man, I got to be mindful of how I, per, you know, represent and present myself anywhere I go. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't believe in code switching. I do believe it's real, but I don't believe in code switching. I want people to know I, this is who I am when I'm here and this is who I am when I'm there, you know, and, and you don't ever have to worry about, oh, I wonder if they going to see me acting like this outside of, you know, I, I don't, ha- I don't really kind of put that kind of stuff on myself because I try to be who I am. And I realize that's the greatest power of impact, you know? And so I try to do that through my work and how I, you know, what I do. So when I'm, 
whether if I'm going to the store, hey, if I can lend a helping hand to somebody, I'm going to open the door for them. And of course, that's more on the simpler side of things. But impact doesn't always have to be, oh, creating this giveaway. You know, it could just simply be speaking to somebody, going out your way to speak to somebody because you had a bad day. Mm-hmm. You know, OK, I'm having a bad day. Let me just say, hey, how your day going? You know, and, and your your bad day may not even mount to the bad day they had. But you just simply saying hello to somebody, you know, you don't even know could be the change that the world needs. Yeah. Yeah. And what I, what I see when you're speaking to is like how much people that have mentored you in some aspect mm-hmm. have met in your life because of how you honor them just based on like how you speak, even going all the way back to your elementary school. Yeah. Of like these people valued me mm-hmm. and I still represent them right now. Yeah. That's a powerful thing. Yeah. And my, you know, I represent my family. I represent my parents. I represent probably like these coaches that poured into me when I was playing basketball or the Mm -hmm. people that believed in me, the, the, the peers or the professors or whoever that helped me get to where I needed to education wise or the people that gave me the chance for my job right now. Like all that is in your, your mind when you're Mm -hmm. speaking and how you represent them because you do. And that's, that's such a powerful, um, thing that most people don't don't do because we're so off the cuff and like it's one thing you like you want people to know who you are this is who i am and i'm gonna be me but me represents a lot of other people that help me get to where (laughs) me is going yep yep and to honor that and to me that's such a great lesson to to see that in someone someone like you and how much you value that because you're gonna be that if you haven't been already for other people like you other little girls Mm -hmm. like you yeah that's such a great thing yeah, absolutely. And I always, th- one thing I always keep in my mind, my mom, always, I'm, I'm like my mom, my mom is 10 times better than me, you know, just as far <laughs> as like, wow, opti- well, I got to get her on the podcast. <laughs> if she's 10 times just better like than optimism, you know, she just like Jada never, ever allow no one to get you or see you out of character. And that's something that always sticks with me. You know, the ability to have self-control and to know that there are going to be people who disagree with everything you do, but that yeah. doesn't mean you got to adjust every time they disagree. There are just some people who just going to always disagree. You mm-hmm. can't please everybody. And ever since she just kind of told me, like, you know, never let nobody see you step out of character, that's what made me, like, be so more, much more open-minded and, you know, be more positive because I'm just like, I will never think, I will never allow anyone to think they have the power over me mm-hmm. to make me act differently because of something that they say it. How hard is that to do in a time we're in right now, though? <laughs> you're a young, like you're in your, you're in your young twenties, mm. a young black woman who's on her career path, and everything that we've got going on with like race and, and mm. elections, and we don't talk politics and stuff yeah. on here of like what point of view, but just, but just to keep that mindset that you just yeah. talked about from your mother, with your words and your actions, like how difficult is that to do sometimes in the current climate that we're actually in? Yeah, it's super tough now. Um, you know reading up on it, everything going on in the world, a lot of stuff that I can't directly change, you know, overnight, mm-hmm. you know, that's honestly more draining than anything to know that, hey, no matter what I do, there's just going to be some people that never like what I do just because of things that's like the color of my skin or the color of your skin. And it, it's so difficult to know that, you know, what we're dealing with is just tough. Um, and especially being young and growing up, it's just... It's honestly, it makes you think like, am I really as optimistic and positive as I think I am? 
But, you know, in those moments, I'm just like, nope, I can't get distracted by that. But at the same time, I'm not going to be ignorant that it's out not happening. Mm-hmm. You know, I, you know, I know a lot of people that it directly impacts and just having conversations like this, mm-hmm. I think, is the little change that we can do to move forward. Yeah. You know, and maybe they can have the next conversation with someone who is spreading the hate or, you know, uh, instigating what's going on in the world. And maybe they would be able to change that conversation and change the narrative of how they act, you know? And to me, that's why simply a conversation can go a long way. And I try to communicate or send myself around friends who we constantly talk about this stuff, mm-hmm. you know, and it makes me feel better. Cause sometimes I could be sitting at work and I'm reading different items and now I'm mad, you know, in my mind, I'm mad, honestly. And it's just like, I'm walking around mad at my coworkers. It's like, I shouldn't feel like this. Mm-hmm. You know, and but that's just how much power, you know, things can have over you if you allow it to impact you that way. Mm-hmm. You know, so it is difficult. But, you know, just hoping that things get better, even though it don't feel like that. You know, you just got to continue to hope that things get better and continue to do your best to whoever you come in contact with to just spread that same message. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you said it pretty well there, too. It's like <clears throat> when you're trying to influence other people especially if you're in a, in a mentoring kind of thing or you're just, you can be positive to a certain extent. And, yep. but at some point there's some people that like, you still have to acknowledge the things that they're going through or yep. listen to what they're going through. And it, it's not just like, Hey, doesn't matter what you're going through. You can, you can do this and do that and whatever yep. you want, which might be true, mm-hmm. but there's still like this pain here, like acknowledging that, like, yeah, I want to hear what, what your experience is like. Yeah. Because yeah. that might actually prevent you from going here. Exactly. Where you have a, a positive family life and people around you who love you. So that, that might be easier for you to get where you needed to go. But sometimes you can't drag somebody else there when they have so much baggage. And yep. you're unwilling to listen to it or go through it in order to, to help them get past some of those things that maybe you know I didn't or you didn't have to go through. Absolutely. And, you know, just wanted to affirm your, your viewpoint on that where yeah. it's like being that positive person but yet like, and yeah. you still have to acknowledge certain things and, yep. and and deal with it. So it's it's tough. I'm telling you. You know, they always say, you know, even the strongest people, you know, they have the right to be, you know, not so strong sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, and with me being so positive, everybody always looks for me to be in the positive one, like okay, right. like the peacemaker. Yeah, and you're so the sane one. Go, <laughs> go to her for the support. Right, and yeah. I'm like, hey, I'm mad too. But yeah. you know, let's just try and get through this together. You know, yeah. all of us being infuriated, mad, angry is just not going to solve anything. Somebody got to say, hey. All right, I know we're mad and I know there are things that we can't agree to, but we can still move together through this. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody, you're just not going to please everybody. And that's one thing I learned. It's okay to agree to disagree and still have a working relationship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, I agree. Well, I got just a couple more questions. And one of them is like, what is, what is your dream job? Not necessarily saying you're leaving your company mm-hmm. where you're at now, but like, where do you want to be in like, five or 10 years work-wise and wh- how do you want to be given back or influencing people based on work and just the things you're going to be involved in? Yep. So um, like I said, I'm in a really good place now with my company. I'm actually in the process of transitioning into a promotion, um, which is actually a position that I r- am passionate about um, becoming a, a regional trainer. Um, so I, I do believe that I can get a lot of my work done personally, you know, and, and have a bigger impact through my training, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, it don't always have to be through, like I said, the community giveaways or that I have to actually go feed the homeless, you know, just the ability to, um, impact through educating. And of course it's going to be educating in the mortgage, but, you know, just showing like, Hey, 
we know you may not be the best employee, but we can train you up that way. So, you know, just doing that work through that um, position. So that's professionally, I'll probably, you know, take that and run with it for some time and just learn as much as I can. Um, but from a personal level, I do want to just expand my entrepreneurship. Um, I did recently um, get my business uh, legalized, um, Invisible Gems. I kind of put it on a pause lately because I was um, focused on the promotion and making sure I put myself and prepared myself for it. Um, but, you know, at some point, you know, be able to offer workshops and forums and just give back to community to educate, you mm -hmm. know, make people aware of what's going on in the world, how we can, what we can do to make it better, what we can do to make ourselves better. And just, you know, look at all of the alternatives to situations, um, you know, providing resources and provide tools and resources for them, you know, so that they can be equipped with the necessary knowledge. And then from that knowledge, they can go to, you know, whatever outcome they need to go to, you know, to become better or define what their success is, what their success is, which is key, not my success for them, but their success, yeah. you know, and, you know, identify who they are as a person. So I want to eventually be able to do that with my business, you know, just be involved in the community, um, reaching out, providing programs and workshops for kids who may not know how to change a tire or, you know, young girls who may want to know basic cooking skills, you know, just so where they're not so distracted by what's going on in the world, but making them aware that things out here in the world are happening, mm -hmm. you know, so just be a, 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 a seed in the community um, and just provide as many opportunities as I can to help someone else succeed, you know, pass that knowledge down to them um, and put my community on, on the map. To be honest, my friends, if they have a business, I want to support them, pass that on. So hopefully whoever I know, I can put my friend in front of them and they can, you know, continue to build their network, you know, so entrepreneurship just continue to the plant seeds and see them manifest very cool and we always close the podcast with just asking you know there are, are things that you went through that they can be very difficult for some people mm -hmm. whether it's their their parents are getting divorced or they're having to give up maybe a dream they thought was going all the way to the mm -hmm. pro basketball or all the way to this place and they have to make a decision and 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 let it go and go a different direction. And that's not always easy for some people because mm -hmm. that might be their they, their only avenue or they think that's their only avenue to do something. Yeah. So it can be very heartbreaking or even debilitating where people go into real depression or mm -hmm. um, a funk in life and they just will drop out of college in that situation or give up or yeah. come back to Savannah, like you said. You know, when, when you were going through those things, what what is something that either somebody did that you remember that was really helpful mm -hmm. or looking back on it now, like this is... this is what would have been helpful when, you know, my parents were getting divorced or I was struggling with this mm -hmm. and, and just something simple too. It doesn't have to be like, Hey, you have to be their best friend. It's just, mm -hmm. you see someone going through something like this. What What's helpful that somebody can just step in and do? Um, let allow people to help. Um, I think that goes a long way, you know, you know, especially in the African American community, we deal with a lot of pride and ego you know, they, nobody should know your business, you know, type stuff. And it's like, no, allow people to help. Because to me, that's what helped me when my parents and my household was going through things. I allowed people to come in and say, hey, let me take you away from that. Let me expose you to this. Not with their handout. Like, oh, we expect to get something back from you. Mm -hmm. Like, no, we know you have so much more potential. Like, let me help you. And I can say allow people to help you. You know, there are some really good people out there that want to see you succeed. Mm -hmm. And I was fortunate enough 
for it to be my high school basketball coach. And, you know, she came in and she exposed me to people who I have made long lasting relationships with, you know, because simply allowing and trusting that she had my best interest at heart. Of course, it's not always like that, but, you know, know that there are some good people out there who really want to genuinely see you succeed. And so allow them to take, you know, take that stress off of you that you can't even really bear yourself and, you know, go, you know, trust them that they'll continue to do right by you. So that's good. <laughs> that's good, Jada. That's yep, really yep. good. Well, I appreciate you being our, our guest today. Appreciate you being our, I'll just call you our number one fan for right now, <laughs> yeah. since you're like our official first fan interview, yes, I guess. So yes. that's, that's great. If we stop the podcast right now, I'd be totally cool with that. That'd be, that'd be the best way to end it. But I appreciate you listening, watching, and and encouraging us and what we're doing, but also yeah. being willing to then share your story and encourage other people yeah. who have gone through some of the stuff that you have. So I think it'll be very helpful for people to to hear. Yeah, thank you. I I, I would not want to get you know I I would give up anything to do this all over again. I, I just really am glad to be here. I'm honored to be here, and thank you for allowing me to be here. And I just hope y'all continue to change and impact people's lives like you all have done. You all have done mine. Well, you might be the most famous person. I know you said <laughs> we we don't interview famous people, but maybe you're the most famous uh, one we interview. No, no, no. At I least... think you and I should go walk down some streets in Savannah <laughs> with a basketball, and we'll see how famous listen, you are in some places. Listen, listen. I do not want to even go down there. <laughs> I'll, we'll just go to a court and I'll let you just you know, thrash I, you me know, and I let people take videos of it and like be like, look at her destroy that man. I haven't played basketball in so long. That actually might be refreshing. So I might take you off on that. Okay. <laughs> now I'm a little nervous. I just backed myself into something. <laughs> yeah. But well, you should. You should do. You should ball sometime. Get mm -hmm. get back into it a little bit. Yeah. Because you're young enough where you can probably still pick up a lot of it and probably destroy some people on the on the streets. Yeah, yeah. I, I play here and there in Atlanta for some women's teams, but then I'm like, yeah, I, I'm good that I can decide when I want to play, not be forced to play. There so. you go. <laughs> okay. But yeah. Well, I appreciate it. Anybody wants to reach out and challenge Jada to a game for a charity <laughs> hey, for her business or something, you know, maybe you could do that. I'm not going to back down, <laughs> so I'm accepting all invitations. There you go. <laughs> well, we appreciate you being our guest on the podcast for sure. So thank you so much for being here. Absolutely. Thanks, Isaac, for producing City Church for hosting. This has uh, been Neglected. You can hit us up at For the Neglected, and we'll see you next time. Peace.